impact. Jesus commands believers to be salt and light in every aspect of their lives. Join us today as Senior Pastor Dean Hunter speaks with believers who are making an impact for the cause of Christ and through their testimony are encouraging others to impact their world. Welcome to the Impact Podcast with Dean Hunter. I am Dean Hunter and I am so glad to be back. Uh, We've taken a couple months hiatus from our Impact Podcast and we're glad that you're listening again. Uh, The purpose of this podcast is to highlight and interview men and women who have uh, made an impact for the cause of Christ in their community, in their church, uh, in their nation. And uh, today is a very special day. It's the first time I've ever had two guests on at the same time. And um, these are people that at Central Baptist Church we know very well. Uh, But uh, one of my purposes in this podcast today is to let people who don't know you guys uh, get to know you and know your story. Our guests today are Mr. Larry and Miss Pat Luther. I've been a member of Central Baptist Church for 40 years um, and um, I've known them for about 40 years, probably. And um, so I know their story well. Members at Central Baptist Church know their story well, know them. But I want uh, you to get to know them, hear their, their story, and how God has uh, helped them through a lot in their life. Uh, I've said for uh, ever since we've started this podcast, you know, we've been called by God to be salt and light wherever we go. Whatever we do, uh, we're to do everything for his honor and his glory. And um, Pat and Larry Luther have been staples in our church here, staples in this community. And there's a lot of people who look up to you guys and have learned a lot from you. And so today, I've invited them to be here and just share a little bit about who they are for those who don't know. And then we're going to walk through your life and you tell your story and how God has been faithful and how you've been faithful to serve God. So um, we're real relaxed here. So Pat and Larry, or Larry and Pat, whichever one would like to go first, just kind of individually tell us um, a little bit about you, where you grew up, uh, maybe your age if you want to give that out, where you were born, and a little bit about your family before uh, adulthood. Well, I was born in Albemarle, North Carolina. my dad and mom uh, worked in the textiles, so they uh, came to China Grove, and, uh, and we moved there. I was, I was probably four or five years old. Uh, uh, I can remember very little of those days, but uh, God has been so good and kept us uh, for years. I'm getting ready to turn 86 years old, and he's never failed me yet. I've had some difficulties in life, but... Uh, that's just to be part of life, and uh, if I can be a of a blessing or a help to anybody, I, I'm glad to share whatever I know to do. Um, you have brothers and sisters. I had one brother, Jimmy Luther. Uh, he died in 1991. Had a massive heart attack at the age of 40. 40-something, 50, early 50s. But anyway, early in, early in life, and I thought, you know, I didn't have much of a chance. My dad died young with a heart attack. My mom died young with cancer, and I said, I don't have much of a chance. But, but God had something for me to do. Right. And uh, so I'm here ready to do what I can do. Like so I say, go ahead. So in China Grove, you came here that, that many years ago? I knew you went to Landis. When did you go to, what church were, did you grow up in? Well, I grew up, my, my first years was a little Methodist church down the end of the street from where we lived. And so uh, we went there till about 1951 or two, somewhere along there. We came down to uh, Landis Baptist Church and fell in love with, with their worship and, and their uh, church services and we just stayed, and so when uh, we was called a central, uh, Pat plays the organ, piano, both. But uh, at that time, Central had uh, a good pianist, but a need for an organist. So Lester Childers, who was the uh, minister of music, 
and Sarah both knew Pat, so they said, well, we'll call them and, and find out if uh, if she'd be willing to come and, and fill in for us until we can uh, get a get a pianist or an, and an organist, really. But we we came down with that, but it seemed to me like they never did try to get anybody. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's that's the way some preachers operate. Yeah. But uh, so anyway, been, she was I, filling I, in for forty years. Do what? She's been filling in for forty years. She's been filling in for forty. <laughs> slow. She's. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that was uh, how we how we came to to Central, and uh, love the services, love the people, love the preacher, everything. Everything seemed to be just perfect for us. That's now I don't know how we're how close to perfect we were for them, but but uh, we stayed. I was uh, uh, one Wednesday night. I told uh, Preacher Parker. I said, "You guys are not looking for an organist." I said, "We were happy at Landis when uh, when you called us down here." I said, uh, "This will be be our last." Uh, Hoorah to Central. This was on a Wednesday night. Well, Thursday I didn't, Thursday, Wednesday night I didn't sleep, Thursday night I didn't sleep, Friday night I didn't sleep much. And uh, that's, all I, that's all I could think about. And I said, Lord, I'm going to call Preacher Parker Monday afternoon. I was, in, was tilling in my garden. I said, I'm going to call Preacher Parker. If he's at home, now that's, that was uh, visitation night at Central. But I said, if he's at home, we're going to uh, stay at Central. If he's not at home, we're going back to Landis, and it's up to you. Come in, I didn't say a word to Pat. I, like I said, working in my garden, I come in. I didn't say a word to Pat about what I was doing. I went to the phone, I called him. Susie answered the phone, and I said, Susie, is Preacher Parker at home? She said, he's gone out, but I think he may still be here. So he was here. And uh, and we're here, and thankful to be here. Good, we're grateful you're here too, Miss Pat. A little bit about your childhood, growing up. Well, I guess since I'm the oldest, I've got more to tell. <laughs> anyway, I grew up right down the street here from from our church on Carolyn Avenue, and uh, I was really born in Brevard, up in the mountains. But I didn't stay very long. My mom just wanted to go up there to be with her mom so I could be delivered. And right after that, we came back to Carolyn Avenue. And uh, this little church right around the corner here used to be called Elwood Lane Free Will Baptist. I started going there when I was about four years old. And I went there until I met Larry Luther. Anyway, I grew up at Elwood Lane. It was a little different from the regular Southern Baptists, so I had to make a few changes when I got married and joined the Southern Baptist Church. Anyway, I grew up at Elwood Lane, Free Will Baptist Church, and I've watched so many people come through Central that used to go to Elwood Lane the same time I grew up there. A lot of people, really. So they had some changing to do, too. But anyway, when I was 14 years old, my pianist at, at uh, Elwood Lane just dropped dead with a heart attack. Nobody else was there to play that piano. And I really wasn't that good. I took music for about eight years. But I just got on that bench, and I played from then until... Uh, I got married in 1971. Hmm. So, um, after Larry and I got married, and I did meet him in his church. At that time, he was going up at um, Tabernacle. Tabernacle Baptist Church. So, that's where we, uh, that's where I met him. My two girls and uh, my preacher's daughter sang a little trio, and I played for them. We didn't have church one Sunday night, so they asked us to come up and let the girls sing for their church. So we went up there that Sunday night, and lo and behold, somebody introduced me to Larry and told him that 
I was in the same boat that he was in. He had lost his wives, and I had lost my husband. And But I wasn't looking for another husband at that time. But anyway, it just happened, and the Lord worked a good thing out. So we've been married for almost, we've been married for 52 years. But anyway, I always worked. I had to, and uh, my husband, my first husband, was killed at the age of 35 and um, left me with the three children. So I wasn't um, a single mom for too very long, about uh, going on two years, I guess, when I met Larry. And the Lord's really been good to us. He's had a hard time. He's been married once again longer than me. But uh, <laughs> that worked out okay, too. I lost a daughter in 1992. And uh, she had two little boys and a husband. But those two little boys today, the oldest one just celebrated his 40th birthday. And it's hard to believe it's been that long a time, but it has. But the Lord's been good. It was hard getting through those years without her. But uh, prior to that, after I lost my first husband, then um, my dad died. Then my brother died. Then my mom died. Three weeks after my dad died, my grandmother died. About my family was all getting wiped out. But anyway, the Lord's been good. I've been good at Central, and I've loved it here. And that's about it for me. Uh, I really, I was saved in June of 1949 at Elwood Lane Baptist Church. It's been a long time. Uh, my gosh, and here I am already, almost 87 years old coming up. <laughs> but uh, I'm still here, thank the Lord. Had a lot of tragedies, but the Lord's looked after me. He's blessed me. He's kept me going, and I'm so thankful for that. And uh, I just... Uh, Wish I was in position to live a little better life. I can't get around all that much right now, but I'm working on it. Right. Got this uh, bum leg that uh, had an accident almost a year ago now. But uh, met with my orthopedic this week. She says everything's looking good, everything's fine, so uh, I'm going to get good. back in shape. Good. Well, you're, you're getting into some of where we want to go already with your story, but uh, Larry, when did you get saved? What, what was that like? And it where? was in 1952 uh, at Landis Baptist Church. I, I, could, I could go take you within two feet of the place that I was, I was saved at. Right. And uh, I meant to tell about that uh, earlier. But anyway, uh, the Lord, uh, he just... He just did a job on me. Uh, and anyway, uh, I think uh, Pastor Dean is, well, Pat mentioned some of the tragedies in our life, and I'll, I'll tell about a few of them, if that's all right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I, wanted to, the, I wanted to hear, I, I know a lot about you, but I don't know a lot about your past and when you were born and churches. I knew about Landis. I didn't know about um, Pat's church here at Elwood Lane. I didn't know about that, but... Uh, so you guys got married in 1971, right? Mm -hmm. I I think there's something special about 1971. Nobody else appreciates that. My wife knows that. There's something about 1971. If periodically around here, something special or people will say this or that happened, and it was 1971. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'd like to think there's something spiritual about that, but maybe not. But um, I feel like in this area there were uh, there were revivals. There was a lot of spiritual renewal in this area in 1971. But I won't go there right now. But so we know we know you guys have been married for 53 years, 52 years, three this year, right? Yeah. Um, and you've already alluded to some tragedies in your life. Um, once again, most a lot of people that you've known forever know about these. Maybe they don't know as much, but. There's a lot of people that have no idea who Pat and Larry Luther are that'll listen to this podcast. And um, my hope is that someone will hear it and be encouraged. And so uh, when you share, I don't want you to share like people know, because most people won't know your story. 
So however you wanted to do this and as much as you want to share, kind of talk about your personal tragedies in your life uh, individually and then how God brought you together. You've already talked about that, but just share as much as you'd like to about personal tragedies that's happened in your life. My first marriage was to my childhood sweetheart. Uh, I guess we probably started holding hands at about uh, 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Went through went through this stage, and uh, we got married in uh, 19, right, out last, right after I got out of school in 1956. And she lived, uh, we, we was doing pretty good, and and she had a little job over in the mill on the second shift, and I went up one one night and picked her up, and she said, I've got a terrible headache. And I said, well, we'll go to the doctor. So we went to the doctor, and and he did his little examination and sent her home with a couple of, couple of pills, and it wasn't no time till she said, my headache is back. And this... This kept on. I think I took her to about three or four doctors, and each one of them told her a little something different. But anyway, the headaches didn't go away. So uh, somebody had told me about a doctor, Sumner, I believe was his name. These three of them worked together in Concord. Diagnition, well, whatever. Uh, But anyway, they diagnosed uh, what was wrong, but they didn't treat it. So... I took her down there, and uh, the doctor took her back with him back into the examining room, and in less than 15 minutes, he come back, and he said, I hate to tell you this, but he said, your wife has brain tumors. We know they're there. We don't know where they're at, and we're going to run some tests and uh, see what's going on. So shortly after that, uh, they, they found what they needed to know, and they sent her to Baptist Hospital in Winston-Salem, and they did, uh, this was in uh, November, well, actually late October, and then, and then she was, she was sick, sick for, uh, uh, until November, uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of the, the year, but that's not the important part that I'm trying to tell, uh, she had to go back up there to uh, Winston for uh, cobalt treatments, and uh, so they first time, the first time then in January they found that she had pressure on her brain again. Well, they did did some tests and they found out that it was a fluid pocket, and they uh, took drew that out with uh, with needles, and uh, thought everything was going to be good. And uh, so then the next month, when we took her back to the to the Baptist Hospital, they uh, they said, uh, "I'm I'm sorry to tell you this, but he said uh, said your wife's in trouble." And uh, so anyway, they did the uh, they did the surgery. It was it was a malignant brain tumor, and uh, they did the surgery and. Uh, she came home uh, in the spring of 1996. No, no, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting off. 1966, and anyway, uh, she lived uh, till uh, October, November. Actually, it was uh, the last day of October in 1966. She passed away. I worked over at Bitsy Bakery in Kannapolis, and uh, I saw this girl come through there, and, and uh, I knew I knew she was related to the man I was working for. So I asked him about her, and he said she's single. She said she's good as gold, and so I called her, and uh, and she went with, went out with me, and uh, so eventually we got married, and. Uh, we was married about uh, four years, and she was uh, she was eight months pregnant with our only child that we was going to have together. 
And her, well, my first wife and I had three children, a son and two daughters. But that that particular day, Ruth was going over to to Landis to uh, do something, out, and I don't know what all. But uh, anyway, uh, she she was going over there. Well, that was the last day of of school before Christmas at any school. Of course, all of the school system, but that's where they went. But anyway, a little girl's mother asked asked uh, Ruth if she would uh, let her daughter come and stay there until she got off from work that afternoon and and she did well she needed Ruth needed to go to go to town like I said and she left the house and probably within two miles of the house maybe closer than that she was going over uh, uh, over towards Landis and uh, on County Farm Road anyway uh, she got about uh about halfway up County Farm Road, there's a real sharp curve there. Uh, I mean, it's, it's sharp. And uh, when she come into the curve, there's a there's a, a guy that was, was loaded on beer come meeting her, and her, his, thermom- his thermometer, his speedometer, uh, was, was, was locked at uh, over 100 miles an hour. So we're... But anyway, she she was dead at the scene. Crystal, my daughter from the from her first marriage was uh, she was nine. She had uh, uh, she was she was surviving when they left with her, but she was dead when they got to the hospital. Of course, my wife was eight months pregnant, as I said before, and and that baby uh, was killed also. But this, really the sad part about it to a Christian was that even though they, my wife and the children, uh, I know is going to be in heaven. If, if anybody makes it, they will. Uh, she was a, but anyway, there was three, actually there was four young fellas in the, in the other car, and three of them died hmm. as the results of that wreck. But anyway, uh, after after that, everything was going kind of smooth, and Pat told you about coming up to a Tabernacle, and I was leading the singing, and and I knew that she sung, but I didn't know her personally, and uh, but I knew about her from from church activities, and uh, so uh, Brown Boss, a, a friend of mine, uh, told me said. Uh, Said said that pianist is uh, under the uh, got about the same story that you've got. Said her husband was killed in a wreck. And so, anyway, I liked what I saw. I mean, I was I was a young fella and, and I wasn't <laughs> blind and, and I wasn't dead. And uh, so, but anyway, I I spoke to her after church and uh, asked her if if I could take her home. No, I'm going the way I came. <laughs> So, but what she was doing two of the ladies that are, that she sung in a trio with uh, was a sister-in-law to the man that was telling me about Pat, and so Pat was going to check me out. She she wasn't going out with me and and not know anything about me. But I think I think the next thing to Jesus Christ was uh, what those girls did because they did a number with her, and uh, so I called her later that week and. Uh, and, and made a date with her, and, and uh, rest is rest is history. I mean, uh, and uh, people people says God don't care. I tell people I said He does care. I said I've had three good wives, and some men can't get one. Right. I said that's just a blessing of the of the Lord in my life. Right. So, uh, so how how I old mean, were you? When your first wife and second wife, what ages were you in your twenties? Uh, twenty. I was twenty-eight when my first wife died. I was thirty-one when my second wife died. Yeah. And uh, so you're young. I was young. Yeah, um, I was young. Young, young, married, and but. But See, you had been saved, saying, yeah, so oh you were yeah. a Christian. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so really what what I want out of this um, podcast, out of this 
really um, introduction today to people that get to know your story is how you how you were able to cope with it. Um, people struggle coping with all kind of things today, but I think it would be safe to say that not many people could say that they have experienced what you've experienced right. or what you had experienced before you were 35 years old. And so maybe just kind of share, obviously it was difficult, but how, how you made it through that spiritually, emotionally. A lot of people said, uh, I don't know how you, I don't know how you do it. I said, well, I depend on God. Uh, they said, well, you didn't, didn't, didn't you grieve at all? I said, didn't have time. I had, my first wife died, I had three children. One was eight, one was six, one was five, and one was three. Hmm. Dana was, you know, Dana, she was three years old when her mom died. And uh, I had to work. You know, people wasn't, I didn't have handouts, and a few people helped me, but I didn't have the, uh, the assistance that people get today. Yeah. We're just, we're just fighting a battle that, didn't look like it was going to ever end. Yeah. Spiritually, obviously, you say God God helped you through it. Um, what, as best you can describe, what what does that look like? What did that look like? What does it look like today? Well, the first thing I think of is uh, is our needs were met. Uh, we had a lady up, up the street that. Uh, uh, ran a beauty shop and just oh, just every every couple of weeks she'd come down, and uh, I had a little more money than I needed this week, and uh, and she gave me that. The problem with my first wife that financially uh, was the medicines that she was taking. I I probably half of what I made went for medicine. Hmm. Well, that didn't I didn't wasn't making a lot, so that didn't leave much for the. For the family and a man that I go to church with, uh, help help me some, but uh, God did the rest. Yeah. I mean, I worked while I didn't feel like working. I cried when it looked like it wasn't any reason to live. Yeah. But I said, Lord, you you gave me those three children. You're gonna have to help me, and uh, and He did. Yeah. He did. I, I failed to mention Pat's husband. She met, she alluded to, to him dying in a car wreck. But about six months before uh, Ruth and Crystal was killed in the wreck, Pat's husband out here at Thirteenth Street, it's a stoplight. Uh, he was he was killed in a car wreck there. So really, our our stories were were pretty close. Right. You know, she had. She had three young children. Funny, well, it was funny, but uh, we had talked about. We started talking about getting married, and, and uh, Pat's oldest daughter, Tequila. I don't know whether you ever met her or not, but anyway, she didn't want. She didn't want my, her Pat to marry me. Said he's already lost two wives. <laughs> I guess that's a, a young thirteen-year-old. They 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 think different from from adults, right? But. Uh, uh, but it, anyway, she she didn't want us to get married. But uh, we was coming up on our. Uh, we started talking about a twenty fifth wedding anniversary. But now this was, this was when we was uh, married twenty years, getting ready to be, and uh, I had a heart attack in first uh, of of first uh, of November, and so. Uh, in fact, my heart quit. If uh, Pat hadn't demanded that I go to the hospital, I'd, I'd have been dead today for a lot of years. But uh, but anyway, uh, after I had that heart attack and tequila got afraid that I wasn't going to live to be the 25 years, so we wanted to do the 25th wedding anniversary, and, uh, and we did that uh, in November of... Uh, What year was that? Eighty six, whatever it was. You got married in seventy one, right? Twenty five years, seventy six. That sound right? 
sounds sounds good. <laughs> my my mind is playing playing tricks with me, trying to think of stuff that uh, might be of uh, some help to somebody. But uh, so anyway, Pat, now I've chased a, I've chased a rabbit and I've lost yeah. everything. But Pat, you want to kind of elaborate on on your story, and obviously you've mentioned it and um, kind of what that was like for you and how you dealt with it. With with the tragedy, I've worked uh, I've worked all my working years that I was old enough to work. Anyway, uh, I worked in Charlotte for 42 years, but when the accident happened with my husband, I was working then. I had uh, always worked since I graduated school. And uh, so I had those three kids when, when he died, and uh, so I didn't get to take a lot of time off from work, but I worked for a family uh, company, and they were very good to me. The owner told me just to take as long as I needed to take to get things in order after that tragedy. And uh, wasn't all that long, but then I went back to work, and uh, things went along pretty good. I waited. Uh, I really didn't. I really didn't go out and date many fellows, that's for sure. I could have, but I didn't. Anyway, uh, then when I met Larry, I met him in his church, and uh, all of our kids were were in church, and somehow this time goes on and your children get older, then they start graduating from school. We had three kids in college at the same time. Well, you suddenly, after getting married, you had six kids, right? You had six. When you got married, you had six between the two of you, right? No. No, my my daughter daughter had died died in the wreck. So he was was left with two. Okay, so you had five. So you had five at that time, right? So uh, two of mine and uh, one of Larry's were in college at the same time. Our kids were all the same age. (laughs) So... um, Anyway, that went along pretty good, but even though we both worked, we wouldn't have had enough money for three kids to go to college at the same time. But thankfully, during that time, um, Social Security Hmm. paid for our kids to go to school. Okay. They don't do that anymore, and that's really a shame, I guess. They didn't pay it all, but they paid their part of the Social Security. It continued until they finished college. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they seemingly started going their own ways, and um, that's really about it. They're all getting old now. <laughs> it's hard to think that my daughter that died turned 65 this past August. Mm. It's hard to believe. But anyway, time goes on, and the Lord is still good, and he's never let us down. But if it hadn't have been for him, I don't know what in the world we would have done, I guess like so many other people. But uh, he has been good. He's never failed. And I certainly don't want him to fail now because we're getting to the point where we're going to need him more than ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, it's almost like if, I think most people would agree if they heard what they've heard now and didn't know that it was true, it would be hard to believe that somebody would go through as much as each of you individually and together have been through. Uh, And I'm not trying to be critical, but today, obviously there's not as much of a, an emphasis or belief in marriage and staying married. People get divorced over what's now commonly called irreconcilable differences. Yeah. Um, It's easy to be divorced. Marriage is not as important seemingly as it used to be. But there's something to be said about a man and woman who've been through what you've been through and then been through what you've been through together, who stay together, that 
couples my age and younger need to hear, uh, you can make it. You can, you can do this. And obviously God is at the center of it and it matters. Um, I would be curious to, to hear if you had any advice or something that you could say to, to young couples today who prayerfully never go through what you've been through, but will go through valleys. I mean, scripture's clear, uh, few days and full of troubles. We are going to have problems and we have problems together. What, what would either or both of you say to, to couples today, couples that are married, couples with kids to, um, to encourage them to, to stick with it even when things get tough? I think the biggest thing that, that would help a marriage, and, and it probably, probably did us, was continue to talk to each other. And learn to learn to respect them even, even more than you than you would otherwise. But uh, my wife is is uh, oh Lord, she's the sweetest thing I know. Hmm. I mean, which yeah. one? You. <laughs> <laughs> I said est. Uh, but anyway, uh, getting along is not always easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God's always good, and uh, I think He I think He He backs us off when we start getting in dangerous territory. Yeah, and uh, gets us gets us back on the right right track of. Uh, of uh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of what the words I'm trying to say. Pat, do you need to help him out? Do you have anything to say? <laughs> On how to stay married to the same man for fifty-four years and to go through difficulties. Um. <laughs> Can we get a good one? Well, so much like he says, you know, you got to appreciate your husband. You got to appreciate what he does, even though he don't always uh, do what you'd like to see him do. And I'm sure I don't always do mm-hmm. what he wishes I would sometimes, yeah. but. You have to, you just have to grin and bear it. <laughs> and uh, we've had our we've had our difficult times, just like right. other married couples. But um, we try to work it out, and um, life goes on. Right. Maybe you heard what Larry said, but he whispered, "Find a good one." <laughs> when I asked you, he said, "Find a good one." So I guess that's really, really important um what about church family you've been in church uh through all of all of these tragedies um i know you've been here for 40 years but how important is it to be in your opinion to be a part of a local church and and have church support uh and through through the years of just marriage in general much less trials and and ups and downs i don't know how in the world people get along without a church family my goodness, if it wasn't for the church family throughout all of our lives, really, or married lives anyway, uh, I don't know what people would do. But anyway, you just have to ask the Lord to keep going with you and keep you safe and under his protection. And Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, you guys have been very involved here. And been involved in church all your life, even before Central. But um, you've been involved in the music program. You've been a deacon's family. And um, who knows what all else you've done, but you've been faithful here. And so with that in mind, that's a question I want to ask. Being, since you guys said it, I don't feel bad saying it, 86 and 87 years old, being married 50, almost four years, uh, 53 years, and... um, Growing up in the church, it's safe to say, especially for someone my age, who I'm kind of in the middle these days, I feel like there's been a a huge culture shift in church. There's been a lot of change in church over the year, over the years. And when I'm when I'm talking to a eighty year old couple who's been in church for nearly eighty years of their life, I think it's worthwhile to ask the question. What do you what do you see from your years of wisdom and discernment? What do you see in the church today that's different than it used to be? 
just very practical. What's different? Uh, what's good? What's what's something that you would consider bad? Something that's changed in the church, not just not in our church, but just in church in general, and just kind of get your perspective on the pros and cons of church today, and something that would help families. What's what's some of the things that come to your mind of how church has changed over the years? When I when I was young man, uh, yeah, well, actually, before I was a man, I was just a young boy. Preachers preached uh, hellfire and damnation. They didn't uh, they didn't pull any punches. You know, they if, if it hurt, get over it, and uh, if you liked it, enjoy it. But uh, you don't see as much of that anymore. I pre- in fact, I appreciate the message you preached the other night on the altar. Uh, but that's uh, people are different. Mm-hmm. The when I was little, if I misbehaved, I had a, I had trouble at the back of the hall <laughs> with, with my daddy. But now uh, I don't think you see any of that going on. Mm-hmm. They, of course, now nowadays the, the child, if you if you. If you touch them or speak ill to them, they'll they can get you and put you in jail. So, but anyway, that's uh, and, and I think not that, to put words in your mouth, but do you do you think? I think I know the answer, but do you think the home has affected the church? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Pat, what think? What do you? What do you? I know the music you guys like. I know the music you guys sing. I'm I'm a I'm a Southern gospel, old school kind of gospel music guy myself. But um, what are just practical changes or differences you see? And maybe music's one of them. Maybe. Well, the music today is different, and I'm reminded about an article I read just not too long ago when Billy Graham always published a, mm-hmm. an item in the in the newspaper. I don't see that anymore, but it used to be. But the the one time that I did read what he had to say had to do with the music industry. Mm-hmm. And the person that was uh, conferring with him was, uh, it was so different now. This praise and worship that we have today, which is, is okay. But anyway, she just went on to tell the difference between how the hymns used to be sung and what we've gone to today in mm-hmm. most of the churches. They're all music was not all as bad as some, but right. anyway, uh, his response to her was, even though you don't like the music that you're doing, you have to put up with it regardless because <laughs> according now uh, the generation is different. Yeah. Uh, our kids today wouldn't think about singing the songs that our little kids used to sing in Bible school mm-hmm. years ago. It's all different. Yeah. But uh, he says that it's something you just have to accept, ask the Lord to help you get along with it better because those changes are here to stay. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the way it is here. We're right. having to get used to some things, and uh, we're coping. <laughs> so so it's um, in that same article. I, I know the article you're talking about, and it was written years and years ago, but someone recently yes. uh, kind of republished it. And I think one of the things that was in there was he was reminding, even 50 years ago, he was reminding people those old hymns were new at one time. Mm-hmm. Right. And there, there was something new. Just and now, a hundred years later or two hundred years later, we're like, oh, we want to go back to the old hymns. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, they were new at one time. Somebody yeah. griped about those hymns at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, um, you know, even Bill Gaither was criticized, you know, thirty, forty years ago because he was new and progressive. And now we'd look at Bill Gaither as like this generation doesn't even know who Bill Gaither is. That's the truth. And so you've got something new. I think it's important that that it's biblical. Um, first and foremost, but I'm sure you guys have seen quite a progression, just not just in the local, just music in general mm-hmm. uh, and through the years and how that's changed. Preaching, you mentioned preaching, uh, trying to, it, it is different. And I, 
I wonder, and maybe you think it's different just because people are different. And now we're trying to respond to people differently sometimes. Well, we seemingly now have a, we have a whole lot of different people here at Central now, and I really have not got around to uh, knowing who they all are. But I missed so much when I was out with my leg. Mm-hmm. Uh, then when I started coming back, I didn't have a clue who they were. <laughs> well, they know who you are. That's all that matters, right? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I'm getting around to meeting some of them, and uh, I'll get around to the rest of them, hopefully. Yeah. Well, we did. We didn't even talk about your most recent episode. I mean, you've alluded to oh, the, your, your leg, but I'll you don't. You don't have to tell the whole story. But um, uh, obviously, uh, in your you're about to be eighty seven years old. So at eighty six, I'm eighty six. So at eighty six, you had basically, and I'll just say it this way: a catastrophic leg mm-hmm. injury due to an accident that had you pretty much. You know, they didn't know for weeks or days if you would if you would lose your foot lose a part of your leg and um the the end of the story is you're here today you're walking on your own and doctors as of recently appointment says everything's good discharged yeah completely discharged so for those of us who know what happened and how how terrible of an accident that was it's quite miraculous that you're um hopping around the way you are today so yeah could have been a, a lot worse but and so, um, once again, even in, even late in your life, still going through struggles. And I, I got to say this, and, and this is kind of how I wanted to end uh, our time together. Didn't know how long we would be here together. I know we could probably talk for hours and just tell story after story. And I would listen to them, but um, I'm not sure people would listen to hours on a podcast. But mm-hmm. we, um, one of the things, and I've said this publicly, so it's not the first time you've heard this, but as – as a younger Christian, I'll say that now, um, quite getting older, but being in church, knowing you guys for as long as I've known you, seeing you from a distance, seeing you be involved as I got more and more in tune with your stories, knowing there had been loss, knowing there had been tragedy, but not knowing the details, Something I have said, and and I'll say this for me and on behalf of a lot of people definitely that know you guys and in our church, I I go to Hebrews chapter 11. In Scripture, uh, we call it the Hall of Faith chapter. And it was all those men and women who by faith faith. trusted God, by faith faith did this. And then I actually wrote it down to make sure I get it. And after uh, the writer talks about all those men and women of faith, in, in verse in chapter 11 and chapter 12 he says this wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us looking unto jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of god there are people that have different opinions about that passage. I think I'm right. <laughs> but Hebrews 11 is all about men and women of faith that trusted God and made it. They finished well. Um, there are a few people in my brief life that I've been around that I put into the modern-day Hall of Faith, which is Pat and Larry Luther, that have been through tragedies that we would never wish on our worst enemies, things that many people would fold under pressure, even in the church, even in a Christian life. But you guys have been through it and been faithful. And in chapter 12, when he says because of that, he's referring back to those people in chapter 11. And he says, because we know they made it, we can make it too. And if there's, if there's anything that I've gotten, and I hope a lot of people in our church and people that listen today or listen to this podcast get is we can look up to people like you who have who by faith trusted God, been through dark valleys, but made it and are still faithful. And it ought to be motivation to to a lot of other people that, you know, just like they just like Hebrews eleven, if they did it, we can do it. 
and we look at you, I look at you, a lot of a lot of young people around this area and especially this church look at you guys and know your story. And I'm convinced they they can see your faithfulness and say, I, if they can do that, I can make it through this little trial I'm in now. So uh, I've said it before, but I appreciate you guys so much and your faithfulness. It's been an encouragement to me. Uh, I, I say this often as a pastor and try to be transparent. People, some people go through things and they have faith. And even as a pastor, I look and I say, and I'll pray, God, if, if I find myself in that position, I want to be able to respond the way they've responded. And so I've, I've, I've said that in reference to Pat and Larry Luther before, uh, and some other people in our church who are going through difficult times. So, um, I appreciate your faithfulness. Thank you for coming today and sharing. I know there's probably a lot of, lot of other details you can. I'm, I'm sure our church will will find this helpful. And I hope people that listen, uh, that don't know you guys, that'll be introduced to you for the first time, like, well, I don't know who those people are, but that was pretty encouraging to me. Right after, and you may remember, right after Tequila died, uh, when you. When you have tragedy, well, for me, anyway, when you hear about another tragedy that's sort of similar, you, in your mind you go back to to when it was happening to you. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's, that's, that's sort of hard to, to imagine, but, uh, but it did in... in uh, so, but anyway, back to after, to, right after Tequila died, we was in church on a Wednesday night, and, and I'm, you might have been here, but uh, we were sitting out here, and, uh, and the Lord just impressed upon me. I had, I had had some kind of vision or dream or whatever it was that uh, the the ones that had gone on before, and in, 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 uh, my little girl and my wives and Tequila, and, but they was... They was looking down and said, keep going. I said, you can make it. You can make it. Just keep on, keep on. And uh, and I expressed that in the prayer meeting that uh, Wednesday night. And a couple of weeks later, Sidney came by and he said, I wrote a song over that testimony. I said, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> <laughs> and that was Just Go On Right was the song that he. So when it seemed like going is, is as tough as it can be, just keep on going. Right. Amen. Well, thank you guys again. Appreciate your time. You've been a blessing to a lot of people, and I hope this helps a lot of people that will listen to this podcast in the future. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Central Baptist Church in Kannapolis, North Carolina, is making an impact for the cause of Christ. Come, worship with us. Visit our website at cbccannapolis.com for more information about our ministries impacting our families and community.